Hey there, future friends. This week, we need to stay away from that rock. We should avoid the children, but we should never leave a man behind. It's the week of January 24th, 2020, and this is episode 162 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show welcome we have an interesting week we have no single movie that really jumped out at me and said this is the one i have to see but all of the wide releases and in interesting indies all four of them could be really good i mean any of them could really stand out could be a sleeper hit but truth be told i see this as a mediocre week but let's see what we have in the other areas of the show and speaking of the show let me tell you what it is you are listening to if you have never listened to the show before thank you very much for giving us a shot here i appreciate it and i hope you like what you hear you are listening to future flicks with billiam and on this show we do quite a few things we always start out with some weird intro that's always ad-libbed but rarely interesting so i'm sorry for that but then we go into the news that's always the first segment that's any movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode we also go into the trailers any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode of course i am not perfect i miss things as critter once again knows very well but of course we'll touch on that in the question of the week segment after the news and the trailers we go into the movies which are broken up into two categories those categories are limited releases and wide releases and interesting indies in both of those sections i tell you what the movie's about what it's called and who's in it but that's where the limited release segment stops in the wide releases and interesting indies i then talk about the film a little bit my opinion on it based only on the trailer and then i give it a score which i call the billiams interest level score aka the bill score that can go anywhere from a zero for those awful looking films to an 11 that i reserve for those special films that excite me oh so much and then we end the show with the question of the week and then i send you along your way to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network as well as the friends of future flicks well you know what let us not waste another second and jump into the first segment which as always is the news this just in from hollywood the news This first story comes to us from The Guardian, and it's proof that I am now an old man. Billie Eilish is to provide the new theme for James Bond, No Time to Die. Why does that make me an old man? Because I don't get it. If I knew all it took to be a musician was to mumble to a beat, I would have done that years ago. But we all know the joke with with Billie Eilish. It's that if you're a teenage girl, it's the, she's the deepest most amazing artist you just don't get it and i guess for my generation when i was a kid that was like early early to mid punk and and stuff like that you just don't get it mom dad this isn't a phase but the good news is at least it's not sam smith again because that guy is garbage as far as music goes that was a horrible song the writings on the wall from specter was terrible When Sam Smith's balls finally drop, his career is going to be over unless he finds a new sound. But for Billie Eilish, at least we know that teenage girls will now go see the new James Bond film and maybe leave after the intro just because they heard the song. In news from Forbes, yes, our favorite source for movie news, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker could be Disney's final $1 billion movie until Avatar 2. And that's assuming anyone gives a shit about Avatar 2. But poor Disney... They may not make another billion dollar movie until then. Until then, they'll just have to settle for hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars. That's f***ing terrible. In a recent interview, this story from The Nerdist, Patrick Stewart has declined to return as Professor X in the MCU after talking with Kevin Feige from Marvel. 
He says he likes to look at his work on Logan as the final, uh, his swan song, that is, for Professor X. And I really don't think they would give the job to James McAvoy, even though he wasn't bad. He was one of the good parts of all of the newer X-Men movies. I think they might just get rid of him to start clean. All I know is as long as Sophie Turner and Jennifer Lawrence stay the f*** away, it should be better. Oh, and you know, Disney put some of their own writers into it instead of those asshats from 20th Century Fox. This new story from The Hollywood Reporter, if you live in Western Europe, uh, thank you for listening to this show. It might not be easy because the, uh, the release dates are probably all different, but also you will be getting Disney Plus a week early on March 24th instead of March 31st. So there you go. Hooray. Next story comes to us from Variety. Netflix has backed Bradley Cooper's upcoming drama about Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein, more than just a lyric from an R.E.M. song, was the legendary conductor behind movies like West Side Story and Candid. Or Candied. This film was initially from Paramount, but then Paramount let it go. And there's a A-list group of producers, including the old man who yells at clouds himself, Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, Emma Tillinger, Emma Tillinger Koskoff. Who the f*** is this? Okay, let's find out who this person is. Who are you, Emma? Emma Tillinger Koskoff has worked on movies like The Irishman, The uh, Joker, The Wolf of Wall Street, Silence. Jesus Christ, I've never heard of you. Of course, this makes sense. How many producers do you really know? Like, oh, name a name a famous producer besides directors who also work on their own shit. It's like, oh, well, I mean, hey, she's done good work, so this is great. And on top of that, Todd Phillips. So what I see happening here is we have a lot of people who are passionate about this because Leonard Bernstein is legendary when it comes to movies. But how many people know of Leonard Bernstein except, like I said, people who know the lyrics to It's the End of the World by R.E.M.? And even then, you might just know the name. You don't really know what he's done. But of course, we know Netflix isn't in it to make every movie they do a slam dunk. Otherwise, they never would have made Tall Girl. This next story comes to us from The Playlist. If you at all were questioning why Daniel Craig came back to James Bond after saying, quote, I'd rather break this glass and slash my wrists. All I want to do is move on. He said that back in 2015, but now he's doing another film, even though the last movie, he says, I finished that movie with a broken leg. I had to question myself, was I physically capable of doing another one or did I want to do another one? Because that phone call to your wife saying I've broken my leg is not pleasant. Apparently, producer Barbara Broccoli, who we've actually talked about quite a bit on this film due to her stance of making sure that Bond stays a man, For those of you who don't know, she believes that Bond should be a man and instead we should create new, better characters for women instead of just, you know, handing them the scraps left over by men, which, you know, I think that's a good idea. Anyway, she apparently convinced him to do the movie saying, I don't think you have done it all with Bond. I think there's more of the story of your Bond to tell. And I guess after talking, she convinced him. So that's why we are getting one final movie from Daniel Craig. And it sounds like that even though they may try and get him again. I mean, I think they have to. He has been a successful Bond. So after this, I do think they will try one more time to get him, but I think he'll say no because it seems like Barbara Broccoli, the producer, knows that he's done and says, hey, we have this last story we want to tell. Though the question is, whoever they pick as the new Bond, are they going to be younger? Are we going to go back to a younger Bond? Because James Bond was never super young, but of course, I think that The James Bond that Daniel Craig has been playing has been older than the rest. This next story from Slash Film, if you haven't heard, Netflix is coming out with a movie called Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution, and this is a CGI remake of the first Pokemon movie. That I will once again say something pretty not popular, it's that I wish Ash stayed dead, Ash is a terrible main character, Ash is a just a horrible Pokemon trainer, and instead what he should what they should do is they should bring red from the from the manga. If you ever want to read something about Pokemon that's not about you know friendship and love and oh finding your partner and and let's do all this together as a family bullshit, then read Pokemon Adventures. It's so much better than that cartoon. This next story comes to us from Slash Film as well. The Hunger Games is getting a prequel. The prequel will follow a heroic young man who eventually becomes the evil President Snow. And at least there won't be more Katniss, because if there's anything the world needs, it's less Katniss. 
This next story from Screen Daily. Apparently, Netflix has passed 100 million interna- international, but I can speak, 100 million international subscribers. However, the coming of Disney Plus has dented any U.S. growth they had hoped to see. Though the dent wasn't that bad, seen as The Witcher is, quote, tracking to be our biggest season one TV series ever. So it's thanks to that show, I guess, that Netflix didn't see uh, much of a decline. But we'll see how those international numbers, if they continue to grow as Disney Plus moves out more and more. And this final story comes to us from Deadline. We now know a little about what Bad Robot is going to do for Warner Brothers. We know that as of now, they are exclusively developing both film and TV ideas based on DC's Justice League Dark Universe. A little explanation, Bad Robot, if you don't remember, is J.J. Abrams' group, and Justice League Dark is the darker version of the Justice League. They deal with more supernatural things, and some of their members are Zatanna, Constantine, Dr. Fate, Swamp Thing, Man-Bat, Dead Man, uh, let's see, Dr. Mist. So maybe they'll bring back Constantine and do a little bit better job with it? Maybe? Maybe? Maybe we'll see Zatanna or more magic users in the maybe not defunct anymore DCEU? Only time will tell. Well, that is it for the news. Let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, welcome back to the show. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Everyone, let's start with the trailer that just hit today, and I'm recording this on Monday, that just hit today called Horse Girl. This is a Netflix original movie starring Alison Brie, Robin Tunney, um, let me see, who else? Paul Reiser, Molly Shannon, and John Ortiz. And I'll tell you what the premise from IMDb says, and I'll tell you what I think. This is about a socially awkward woman with a fondness for arts, crafts, horses, and supernatural crime, actually supernatural crime shows, and she finds her increasingly lucid dreams trickling into her waking life. So that's what IMDb says, but what the trailer shows us is a little more, that apparently her family has a history of mental illness, her grandma went crazy, and she's now at about the same age that her grandma went crazy. And really strange things start happening to her, like she's waking up, not in bed, like on a different part of town with a phone in her hand, somehow it's all tied to phones. And then she thinks, what if grandma wasn't crazy? What if, what if she really was experiencing these things? She's like, what if aliens are doing this to me? And it basically sounds like a, a bunch of craziness. I don't actually have a set in stone release date. I know this is hitting Sundance on January 27th and it says Singapore February 7th, but we'll see if Singapore and America get it at the same time. This is called Horse Girl. Next up, we have a trailer for a movie called John Henry. This stars Terry Crews and Ludacris. This is about ex-gang member John Henry, played by Terry Crews, who is a quiet man with a violent past. When two immigrant kids on the run from his former gang leader, played by Ludacris, stumbles into his life, John is forced to reconcile with his past in order to try and give them a future. So if you don't know, or if you don't remember uh, ever learning about this, John Henry was one of those old legends. Uh, He's an African-American man who was known as a steel-driving man. If if you remember, he was the one in, in the legends would drive railroad spikes to help build the railroads. And... He was strong as an ox. There was no one better than him. And one day his boss or someone brings in this machine that was going to do it for him. And thus they would, they could get rid of him because you don't have to, you don't have to pay a machine, but you have to pay John Henry. So he challenges the machine to a race to see who can pound set amount of stakes faster. He ends up winning, but then he dies because his heart explodes. So, you know, happy sh**. Well, this one is about an ex-gang member who just happens to wield the sledgehammer too, and is trying to save these two kids from 
uh, from a gang leader who wants to kill him. As far as I know, this isn't based off any comic book or anything, so he's not joining any sort of supergroup anytime soon. But if this movie, even if this movie doesn't do well, I think that Terry Crews could be an action star. I think he's good enough. He can do comedy. We know that. We've seen him in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We've seen him hosting um, that talent, uh, America's Got Talent, and he's funny on that. He has talent. He seems like a really nice guy. People like him. And I think he can do it. I think this movie could even show people that, hey, look, he can he can do it. And just had a really good idea that if they ever remade Last Action Hero, he would be a great choice. And I think he would. So here's something interesting about this film. According to its page on IMDb, it says it's coming out this week. So I should be talking about it on the show. But if you go to the Coming Soon page on IMDb, it says nothing about it. And the other two sources I use for movie release dates say nothing about this film. So I'm going to ignore it, assuming that IMDb is wrong on this, because IMDb is wrong quite a bit as far as at least release dates go. So we will ignore it for now. If it did come out this week, then now you know. It looks interesting, something to watch at home, something to skip in theaters. There we go. If I did the whole show like that, like like I talked about every movie like that, it'd sure be short, but I think it'd be very boring. Because for some reason... You people like to hear me talk. Thank you for that. And I will keep doing that until people stop listening. That's right. Okay, do you guys, if, if any of you remember this movie from 1995 called Tall Tale, it stars Patrick Swayze, Oliver Platt, Roger Aaron Brown, Nick Stahl, Scott Glenn, Stephen Lang, Jared Harris, Catherine O'Hara. Jesus. But it's about this kid who draws inspiration from legendary Western characters and then finds himself in their world. Patrick Swayze plays Pecos Bill. Oliver Platt plays Paul Bunyan. Roger Aaron Brown plays John Henry. Catherine O'Hara, Calamity Jane. Wow, that's pretty cool. I forgot about that film. Well, let's talk about the next trailer that caught my eye. And this is a weird one, but not weird if you're from Australia. If you're from Australia, maybe it's a little familiar to you. But this movie is called Miss Fisher in the Crypt of Tears. This apparently is based off a series of mystery TV shows that takes place in the 1920s revolving around Fryn, I think is the first name, P-H-R-Y-N-E or Fryn Fisher, who is your typical adventurous intelligent woman who doesn't need any help from any man can do it all on her own and she's a private detective and while that part of it is very familiar the rest of it sounds really cool this is a this is a mystery an adventure mystery a whodunit set in 1920s and i think it looks really cool this kind of gives me Murder on the Orient Express, Knives Out kind of vibes, but without being as epic as those two, I think this is, it's just one of those films that you might watch and you might really like. You'll go, hey, that was a fun film, but it's not going to be- become a big series, at least not here. And then maybe it will introduce you to a new show you want to watch, because this was a show back in 2012 that lasted three seasons. And it looks like they got some of the original cast to come back for this movie. It just... It just looks like a very stylized mystery, like an adult Nancy Drew. And I I am intrigued. I am really intrigued by this. Who knows? It could be very cheesy, very over the top, but it could be enjoyable. We'll see. This is set to come out late February sometime. All right, folks, next up, we have another movie that I'm not quite sure of the release date on, and that is a movie called Coda. No, it's not about Led Zeppelin. This is about a famous pianist struggling with stage fright late in his career after the death of his wife and how he finds inspiration with a free-spirited music critic. This stars Patrick Stewart and Katie Holmes. Uh, They're the stars. The other big name involved is uh, Giancarlo Esposito. And I think this movie looks cute. We just have this old man who doesn't play anymore. He used to do recitals all the time. He was a famous, famous pianist. And then his wife died and his his inspiration died with it. So then in comes Katie Holmes and she sparks something in him. And I hope, I hope, I hope it's not romantic. And if it is, I hope it's just like a little cute thing. Like, oh, you remind me of my wife when she was younger. Um, We're not going to date or have sexy times or anything like that. You're just going to reinvigorate my spirit. Because Katie Holmes is good. I think we've forgotten that. And Patrick Stewart, always reliable. This looks like a touching movie that's coming out sometime this year. 
Next up, folks, we have a movie coming straight to Netflix on March 6th, and hopefully it'll be a lot better than Six Underground was. That movie was Visual Diarrhea, and I was tricked. I really was tricked by the by, by the trailer. F***ing trailer guy did it. I should learn not to trust Michael Bay, because Michael Bay is just utter shit. But this one looks a lot better. And this is directed by Peter Berg, who brought us movies like Friday Night Lights, The Rundown, Hancock, Battleship, but we'll forgive him for that, Lone Survivor, and a weird amount of Maroon 5, <laughs> Maroon 5, uh, what do you call those things? Music videos. So this movie is called Spencer Confidential. It's about an ex-felon named Spencer who returns to Boston's criminal underworld to unravel a twisted murder conspiracy. Apparently he was a cop and he was chasing some dirty cops. They framed him for something. He went into jail for five years. He's out. And instead of going, you know what? Maybe I'll walk away. Instead of doing that, he decides, you know what? I'll get back into it and try to find these people and, and you know, get them. Do my thing. But this time he's not alone. He has his friend with him, his new friend, played by Winston Duke. And he tries to get a team together with people, including Alan Arkin and Mark Marin. Oh, and you get to see Post Malone get beat up in uh, in one scene. So there we go. That's fun, right? But fun fact, this is based off a th- series of mystery novels by Robert B. Parker that started in 1973. He wrote 40 of them. And then a guy named Ace Atkins took over and has written eight more. This is based off the 42nd book or the second book written by Ace Atkins called Wonderland. So do we have Netflix wanting to do what Jack Reacher couldn't do? No, I don't think so. I think this is just going to be a one-off. Unless it happens to do really well and they think they can do more, then maybe we'll see Mark Wahlberg return as Spencer But I honestly think this is just a one-off. Oh, shit, that's right. Do you remember that old TV show, Spencer for Hire? That, too, was based off of those books. Uh, But this movie comes out on March 6th, like I believe I said. And I don't think anything bigger has come out since, uh, since the last episode, so let's just finish up with a trailer from a film called The Rhythm Section. This stars Blake Lively, Jude Law, and Sterling K. Brown, and it's about a woman who seeks revenge against those who orchestrated a plane crash that killed her entire family. So we have a female lead in a revenge movie that is shot looking like it's a modern or one of the modern Bond films. It has that kind of look to it. This film is coming out next week, and it's a film that could be worth a theater watch. I I don't know. I've only seen one trailer so far. There are two. Uh, I'll watch both of them, of course, by the time the next episode comes out. But, I mean, it looks okay. It really doesn't look bad. It looks like a standard action movie. Or let's focus more on action mystery instead of, like, action adventure or something like The Rock would do. But it looks entertaining and unfortunately forgettable. So we will see if anything better comes out next week. So let us end the trailer trope right here and take one more break before we get into the movies. So let us pause and hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And we're back. We are back with the movie. So let us start with the limiteds, of course, with a film called Panga. Panga is inspired by the life of a national level Kabaddi player from India. It follows her triumphs, struggles, and overcoming of stereotypes. It shows how important the love and support of your family is for you to be successful. This is a movie from India. To be perfectly honest, the trailer didn't look that bad. The only downside, really, Besides the fact that foreign films are harder to find in America, the only downside is a cultural one where I don't know what the f*** Kabaddi is. I watched a quick match on the YouTubes and I had no idea what the hell was going on. It just kind of looked 
Okay, here's what it looked like to me without any knowledge of it. We have two teams on either side of a field, and we have some line that they can't let, each team can't let the other player cross. So each team takes turns sending someone over Red Rover style, and they have to guard this person from touching the line, but it seems like they can't touch the person. So every time this person lunges at them, they back off, so then the person touches the line, runs back. All I know is I had no idea what the f*** was going on, and it just looked intense. And I feel bad for anyone that has to try to understand American football or baseball. Even basketball. It's like, oh, wh why did they stop? Why is this person throwing something again? Sports is just confusing. Um, but this film doesn't look bad. It honestly doesn't. If you just want to watch a foreign film that seems like a feel-good sports movie, uh, a women empowerment feel-good sports movie, then this could be for you. But let's move on to a movie called Blind Eyes Open. This is a Christian documentary diving into the sex trafficking industry in the United States, exposing the darkness that fuels demand, highlighting Savior's transformation through Christ, and showing Christ as the hope for all involved. And I, I say this as a Christian, that I believe putting the Christian lens on this movie is just going to keep some people from seeing it. Let's be honest, a documentary about sex trafficking is not going to be a widely watched thing. It is a very difficult topic to talk about. So let's add on to it the fact that it's going to be a religious one, and that's even going to cut more people off. So why not just take the Christ out of it and let's just go, hey, these people need help. This is something we need to talk about. Let's invite everyone in to talk about this. Well, whatever. Let's move on to a movie that has two names that I couldn't actually find a trailer for. I just saw that it is coming out this week. It's called either D-Love or Talita, The Final Cut. So this movie is about Stefan Stefania, and she reaches an existential crisis amidst the stresses at home, at work, and in her memories. Her life and that of her hapless husband turns when they take in a charming and mysterious traveler, a gentle wanderer on his own quest. This stars no one of note, yay! So not only does it star no big names or even notable names, but I can't find a trailer and it has two possible titles. This is a winner right there. Let's talk about a new, the next movie in the limited section called Elsewhere. Still mourning the death of his wife, Bruno is hopelessly attached to the seaside cottage they built together. When he's evicted by his soulless in-laws, Bruno vows to get it back at any price. Problem is, someone buys and moves into the cottage. Someone who just might help him turn his life around. This stars Aiden Young from I, Frankenstein, Parker Posey from Lost in Space, Ray Abruzzo from The Sopranos, Bo Bridges from The Descendants, Jackie Weaver from Silver Linings Playbook, and Ken Jeong from The Hangover. I wanted this movie to be in the wide releases because I do like Parker Posey, but nah. Next up, we have a film called Cats. No, not the cats you're thinking of. And to repeat the joke that every f***ing person on the YouTube comment page, page said, This looks better than the other cats. Oh, I'm original. A cat named Blanket lives in the city with his son, Cape. One day, Cape decides to leave his home and embarks on an adventure to find his mother who's supposedly at the legendary Cat's Paradise. To find his son, Blanket must overcome his fear and reconcile with his past. This features the voices of Dermot Mulroney and Nicole Tompkins. And if you watch a trailer, this basically looks like a 100% ripoff of pets that they decided, hey, let's make this movie, change the premise, but keep the style, keep the font of the, of the title. Just make it look like we're trying to do pets, but have it be different. And I swear to God, if the legendary cat's paradise just means the, that the kid's mom is dead, that is up. Let's talk about the next movie in the limited section called Get Gone. A hoax-busting group goes on a team-building retreat to Whiskey Flats, Oregon, and runs into trouble as they cross paths with an, with an invasive drilling company who is forcing a family that has lived illegally on the land for 30 years out of their home. This stars Lynn Shay from Insidious and just looks like a straight-to-VOD-worthy slasher. And the final movie in the limited section is a film called Zombie Child, and zombie is spelled with an I, Haiti. 1962, a man is brought back from the dead to work in the hell of sugar cane plantations. 55 years later, a Haitian teenager tells her friends her family's secret, not suspecting that it will push one of them to commit the irreparable. This stars no one of note. 
And you know what? It would be cool to have a horror out there about like voodoo and shit like that. I think that would be cool. It's just not this movie. So that is it for the limited release section. Let us take one more break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Then we'll jump right into the wide releases and interesting indies. So please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that goddamn jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. We are back. We are back with the four movies that made it into the wide releases and interesting indies section, and I'm still not sure what the pick is going to be, so let's figure this out as we go. The first movie, and the one that is not the pick of the week, is called The Last Full Measure. 34 years after his death, Airman William H. Pitzenbarger Jr., or Pitts, is awarded the nation's highest military honor for his actions on the battlefield. This stars Jeremy Irving from War Horse, Christopher Plummer from Knives Out, Samuel L. Jackson from Snakes on a Plane, Sebastian Stan from Captain America the Winter Soldier, Bradley Whitford from Get Out, Ed Harris from Apollo 13, Diane Ladd from Chinatown, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, Alison Sudol from Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Linus Roach from The Chronicles of Riddick, Peter Fonda from Edie Easy Rider, and William Hurt from Dark City. And yes, even with that amazing cast, this is not the pick of the week. I think this looks fine. It looks like a fine movie. It really does. But it just didn't jump out at me. It just didn't grab me and go, hey, Billiam, tell people to watch me this week for I am the best movie. No, I, I don't think so. No matter what the pick of the week is out of the other four, I don't think it's going to be, I don't, I don't think the pick of the week's going to be a great film. I think it's going to be at the very least entertaining. I don't think you'll see a bad film if you pick one of these four. I really don't. But I also think if this week and from the looks of it, the next couple weeks too, if you want to stay home and not watch a movie in theaters, maybe do that. Maybe go see Star Wars again. Maybe go see 1917. Maybe go see any of the other films, but not these. It doesn't look bad. It doesn't. It has a solid cast, and it's a familiar story that that always, okay, I don't want to say pleases, about, yay, this dead guy is getting his medal. Because that's also kind of sad, because he's dead. Uh, but it's a familiar story that produces good movies. But still, I don't think it has to be seen in theaters. The Last Full Measure gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a movie called Color Out of Space. The gardeners are acclimating to their new home in rural New England when a meteorite crashes into their front yard. It seems to melt into the earth, infecting both the land and the properties of space-time with a strange, otherworldly color. The family learns that the alien force is mutating every life form that it touches, including them. This stars Nicolas Cage from The Rock, Jolie Richardson from Nip Tuck, Madeline Arthur from To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Julian Hillard from The Haunting of Hill House, and Tommy Chong from Up in Smoke. I believe I talked about this film when the trailer came out. Now it looks really f***ing weird. How weird, you may ask? Well, this is based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft, and it stars Nicolas Cage. That's it. That should be all it takes to explain to you how weird this movie is. But it also should be enough to explain to you how good this movie could be. Just like all of the movies this week. I don't think this is going to be particularly great, but what this could be is a sleeper hit for maybe you personally. Maybe this is a movie that you really like. Maybe one of those smaller movies that you find and you're like, hey, I really like this. So when it comes out, you buy it, you own it, you love it, and every once in a while you share it with someone. And 
that's what I think this movie could be. This could be a film that a small few really like, but I don't think it's going to go beyond that. I don't think it's going to go beyond a, at most, at absolutely most, something that could potentially become a cult classic, but I don't think that it will become a classic. I think it will just be one of those films that, that just gets the attention of a few people. Is this worth a watch? Sure. Give it a shot. Color Out of Space gets a 7 out of 11. We have two movies left, folks, and for the next movie, and with these last two especially, I wasn't sure which one to make the pick of the week, because I'm not particularly stoked on any of them. I'll probably end up seeing both of them, I'm gonna be honest, but which one would I see in theaters? Uh, it's actually a toss-up. But I didn't want to have a dual pick where I wasn't super excited about any movie. So I had to pick one, and the one I picked was just the one that seemed more up my alley than the other. So the last movie that's not the pick of the week is called The Turning. In this modern take on Henry James's novella, The Turn of the Screw, a young governess is hired by a man who has become responsible for his young nephew and niece after the death of their parents. This stars Mackenzie Davis from Halt and Catch Fire, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, and Brooklyn Prince from The Florida Project. I have this fear that until he grows into his body fully, that Finn Wolfhard is going to be typecast as a little piece of shit. Because he is so good at playing a little piece of shit that... I fear that other people will look at him in some of these roles and go, oh, hey, he can play this little piece of shit. And other people go, yeah, he'd be great in that. And he's young, you know, and he would take the role probably because it'd be more experience. And unfortunately, he'd be digging himself into this hole. It's lucky that the thing he's most known for, he's only kind of a piece of shit in that. And of course, that's Stranger Things. And the thing he's second known for, which I'm assuming second best known for, would be the It movies. Richie, his portrayal of Richie was actually quite good and less of a piece of shit than him from Stranger Things. And even though I haven't seen The Goldfinch yet, I know the character he portrays in The Goldfinch is also a piece of shit. And I think this works so well for him because he's extremely punchable. I don't mean him personally. I don't know him. You know, I, I haven't heard much about things he said. I, if there's been some scandal, I don't know about it. I, I really don't know much about him. What I do know is that just based on his looks, judging him on his looks and the characters he's played, it would be very easy to punch him in the face. Of course, not literally, because that would be child abuse at least for one more year. And I think I've talked about this a little more than I planned on. The point is that I think for this role, it was a good idea that they picked him. So we have Mackenzie Davis, who is playing this governess, who is hired by this old man who is responsible, like the premise said, for his young niece and nephew. So she goes to take care of them. And guess what? Who knew that taking this job, staying with these two kids alone in this huge-ass estate in the middle of nowhere, far away from any help, would be a bad idea? Who knew? Well, it turns out that maybe the kids know. Maybe there's something with the kids. Maybe there's something involving them. What happened to their last governess? Who knows? They probably do, though. Why does a little girl act so weird? Why does the young boy go through fits of rage. What is that shape she sometimes sees at night? If the answer you're thinking of is their dead mother, you're probably right. So if you want to see a scary movie this week, this is this is it. I, I don't think Color Out of Space is going to be a horror. It, it might technically be a horror, uh, but from the look of the trailer, it's not one. It's more supernatural. It's more sci-fi. Where the turning looks like it's a straight-up horror, not as horror-y, which I swear to God is a word, not as horror-y as like the Conjuringverse movies, but um, more so than something a little more indie like The Witch. If you do see a movie and you watch this one, not a bad choice. Like I said, none of these movies look bad. They just all seem skippable to me. The Turning gets a 7.5 out of 11. And with that, my future friends, it is time for the pick of the week. So if you don't know what it is, you don't know that I'm about to say The Gentleman. 
A British drug lord tries to sell off his highly profitable empire to a dynasty of Oklahoma billionaires. This stars Matthew McConaughey from Magic Mike, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, Michelle Dockery from Downton Abbey, Colin Farrell from The Lobster, Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, Hugh Grant from Notting Hill, and Jeremy Strong from The Judge. Yes, folks, the pick of the week is the Guy Ritchie film, the, Gri- the Guy Ritchie crime comedy. And that's why I made it as a pick of the week, because even though I think the other movies this week, the other movies in the wide releases section looked just as good, I think this one, just based by who did it, who's in it, and the premise, just seems like it's going to be a safer bet. Guy Ritchie really doesn't do a lot of movies. But the ones he's done, a lot of people have seen, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Rock and Rolla, the two Sherlock Holmes movies, The Man from Uncle, the less than stellar, but still, I thought it was fun, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and most recently, Aladdin. That's right, if you don't remember, he directed Aladdin, the huge Disney remake of the original cartoon. So he seems like one of those directors that's a little more picky with what he does. Not as picky as Tarantino, who only does stuff he's written, but pickier than, well, than whores like Michael Bay. Okay, he's not that big of a whore. It's just I haven't made fun of him in minutes, so I had to take care of that So if you watch the trailer for The Gentleman and it seems familiar, maybe it's because you have seen Snatch. Maybe because you have seen Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Maybe this is a type of movie Guy Ritchie does best. He knows it. And thus, as a follow-up to Aladdin, he decided to write and direct this film. And he put an Asian in this movie, so if that doesn't earn it a half a point bump up in the bill score, I don't know what does. Yes, I am fully willing to admit to you that part of the draw for this film and making it the pick of the week was Henry Golding. Not just because he's Asian, mind you, but because I think he's ruggedly handsome and I like him. I think he's good. I haven't seen him in a hell of a lot, but he sure ain't bad. I'll tell you that. There is a special place for movies like this. That place is on the shelf of a select people who know that they love this sh**, who this is their jam. Movies like this are predictable. Maybe not predictable as far as the ending goes, but predictable as what to expect. We know what to expect from a Guy Ritchie film. We know what to expect from a Guy Ritchie crime comedy movie. We know what to expect, and that is not a bad thing. Because what we can expect is a solid film. Something amazing that's mind-blowing? No. Something that's absolutely terrible and you should only wipe your ass with the money instead of buying a ticket? No. Something that is reliable, something that's enjoyable, something that is worth your time, maybe a watch at least once, maybe even to own one day but it's at least worth your attention one time. And the good news is, with a movie like this, like I say about a lot of different films, but it's true, and I will repeat it as long as it stays true, is that for movies like this, you already know if it's your jam or not. Maybe you've seen his other films and you didn't like them. That's fine. People have different tastes. Maybe you have never watched his films because they don't interest you at all. Okay, cool. So the good news is, with a movie like this, you already know where you stand. I know where I stand. And unless I just happen to have time, I just have to kill, and this movie is playing, I will probably skip this in theaters and watch it at home. But I will make a point to watch this. The Gentleman gets a 7.5 out of 11. So ladies and gentlemen, you know what's next. Well, next is a break, and then we get into the question of the week, so let's just get on with it and hear the final word from our good, good friends at the We're Doing Fine podcast with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. 
and we're back. And we are back with our good friend Critter. No, no, he's not here, but he's here in spirit and with some verbal reprimanding. Yes, indeed, I missed his answer. I didn't miss it. I, it's weird. I knew it was there because I even liked his response and then just slipped my mind. And it is always him. I mean, I, I've missed Brian Q twice. I've missed, oh God, Frat Matt maybe once, Evan uh, maybe a time or two. But the person I always make sure to miss for some reason when it comes to the question of the week is Critter. And and I don't know why. We're friends. It's not like I see him respond like, oh, fuck that guy again. Jesus. No, I, I don't, I don't want to think about his answer. It's probably... Something stupid. No, his his answer to the most anticipated release of the year. Oh, I see what I see what happened. Okay. So in my defense, Critter, in my defense, what you responded to was me posting about my blog where I talked about my most anticipated releases for the first quarter of the year. So yes, I did see your answer, but the reason it didn't pop up into my brain spaces is because it wasn't uh it was associated in my mind with the blog, so I'm sorry. But he says, it's going to have to be Ghostbusters. Lots of very positive things behind it. Let's see what Jason Reitman can come up with to actually reincarnate the commercial interest in the Ghostbusters franchise. It was getting scary for the franchise because as I get older, I run into more and more people that have never seen the original. And that is so scat, so scat, so sad and scary. This must be how my parents felt when I hadn't seen Rear, Rear Window yet. And of course, he's referring to the Rear Window from the 50s with James Stewart and um, or James, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. But also, funny enough, the first version of Rear Window I saw was the made-for-TV version from the 90s with Christopher Reeves and Daryl Hannah in it. It wasn't until after that one that my that my parents, oddly enough, or oddly, interestingly enough, were the ones that go, oh, no, no, Christopher Reeves is great and all, but you should watch the one with Jimmy Stewart. So thank you, Critter, for that answer. And yes, even though I tried to explain my way out of it, it is my fault, and I will try to maybe make a note on my phone in the... Oh, what do I use? Google Keep. <laughs> Whenever anyone answers, just move it there right away. Well, it is time to get into this week's question of the week. And if you do not remember, let me remind you by saying, which established character would you like to see Robert Downey Jr. play? Let's turn to our first answer from good old Frat Matt, who says the clumps, a.k.a. the nutty professor. And I actually think that'd be a perfect follow up because it's another thing that Eddie Murphy made popular again in the was it late 90s, early 2000s, where he did the nutty professor movies. And then we can just trade off. We can have Eddie Murphy start redoing some Robert Downey Jr. roles or something. I don't know, but that could be very interesting because I think. Robert Downey Jr. would would kind of play the similar uh, similar character they did in Doolittle. I see his nutty professor being kind of like a mix between his Tony Stark and as goofy as he got in Tropic Thunder. I, I can see that happening. And I just double checked Instagram to make sure I'm not missing anything. We turn to Twitter where we see Brian Q's answer, who says a really brilliant movie would be Robert Downey Jr. playing himself as a character in the Robert Downey Jr. story. If he's acting as he would envision the character of Robert Downey Jr. and not as actual Robert Downey Jr. I followed that even though it was a little confusing. So he's playing someone playing Robert Downey Jr. So that way it wouldn't just be him in the movie, like him being himself. It would be him actively playing himself. And to be fair, that sticks straight to the question because Robert Downey Jr. himself is already an established character. So yeah, let's let's do it. Let's get meta as f okay? I like it. So I just want to make a point in saying I double-checked SoundCloud, I double-checked Twitter, I double-checked Instagram, and I double-checked the email. I'm pretty sure that's it. And Critter, I just rechecked our last conversation and I didn't see anything there. So you know what? If you did answer and I didn't see it this time, it's some supernatural bullshit. That's what I'm telling you. Well, let's turn to this very house for their final two answers. And Anne says, Mrs. Doubtfire. Something that I did not even think of. And I think it's easy to forget that Robert Downey Jr. does actual comedies very well. I know Iron Man was funny. There were a lot of funny moments in anything Iron Man was involved in. But Robert Downey Jr. is also good at a actual comedy. And I think that's important to remember. So I think that would be a good choice. 
And I'm going to cheat for my answer, and I'm going to do two. One of them that would be interesting, but I don't think he should ever actually do, and one that I think could be cool. So the one that would be interesting, and I don't think he would, he should actually do it, is Atticus Finch. Because I think To Kill a Mockingbird is a movie that still holds up. I think it doesn't need, I don't think it doesn't need to be redone. I don't think there's anything new we could bring to it in our, even with all of our modern technology. As far as cinema has come, I don't think you can improve on that film. Especially, especially with Gregory Peck playing him. But if anyone could play him again, I think it would be Robert Downey Jr. The actual answer, and the thing I think would be interesting would be to get an actual an actual trilogy, a, a true Hannibal Lecter trilogy. So, of course, I'm saying he, he'd play Hannibal Lecter, but a trilogy that isn't as broken and as scattered as the one we got. Because on their own, I, I liked Red Dragon. I did. I thought it was a good film. I, of course, like Sam's of the Lambs. Hannibal, obviously the weaker of the three, but not bad still. But when you watch them in order, it feels broken and disjointed. And yes, I know a lot of time passes between them. And I know that Red Dragon and Science of the Lambs were not focused on Hannibal Lecter as a bad guy. They were chasing other people. But still, I think we could redo them with a more cohesive feeling between them. And I think we'd also be able to look at them as a separate thing if we redid it. Because we could still keep Silence of the Lambs as a classic. We can keep Red Dragon and all of them. And they would be separate from this true trilogy that would be done. And I think that would be interesting. It would never be done, but it would be interesting. Either that or he can play the shark from Jaws. I don't know. And let's talk about the question for next week. And and I'm going to get a little cheap with this one because out of all the movies that are coming out, I wasn't in, inspired for any particular question. So instead, I'm going to ask you, out of all the movies you saw last year, what were your favorite and least favorite? I thought about making those two questions, but eh, hopefully the, the movies coming up will inspire me for different questions. And if not, I'll just turn to my bullet journal page where I have questions written down. But let's repeat that question. From all the movies you saw last year, what were your favorite and least favorite? And I will tell you what. Anne just brought up an interesting question, so I'm going to, I'm going to deal with it now. You could answer it either way. Either it has to be a movie that was released last year for your best and worst, or just any movie you saw last year for the first time. I will leave that up to you. If you answer it and both of your answers were movies that were actually released last year, great. If you answer it and they're just movies you saw last year, that's fine too. So with that, I'm going to send you along your way with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Billiam SWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends... My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>